I want to start by setting the tone really for what this is all about. Why are we celebrating 30 years? Um, I, I get a little bit uncomfortable about, you know, like, woo, isn't King's Church wonderful, right? That's not what this is about. So I want to set the tone for why is it that we're taking a moment to celebrate 30 years? Well, 30 years is a great accomplishment, but like any party, I, lo- I do like a party, but I'm usually more interested in what we're celebrating than the party itself. It's like when you go to a, a wedding, I'm more interested in the marriage and how special the marriage is than I am really about the cake, you know. Um, and not that they're not great, but, but you, you know what I'm saying. And I think today is all about setting the tone for why we're choosing to stop and celebrate 30 years as King's Church. So, um, so let me just pray real quick and then we're going to jump into today's talk. So Father, just thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for our time in worship. And uh, Lord, we thank you that regardless of lights working, not working, it doesn't matter, Lord. What, what matters this morning is encountering you together as a church family. What matters is that we, uh, through scripture or through song, or through the power of your Holy Spirit, we have an encounter with you that changes us, um, that, we, that we leave looking more like you, Jesus. So, Father, we just open our hearts now as we head into Scripture, as we head into um, what you have to say to us as we start this 30th anniversary celebration. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, so... Uh, this morning is perhaps a little bit different from what we, we would generally do, and that's because we, we like to systematically work through books here. That means that we uh, take the Gospel of Matthew, which we're doing at the moment, and we go through it bit by bit, and we teach through that piece of Scripture. However, this morning, we're kind of tracing a theme through Scripture, and I'm going to be reading lots of Scripture with you, and different. we're going to zoom in and out of different stories, and hopefully we'll recognize the theme that God is wanting Uh, for us to see. And uh, what I'm going to do is start off with something. So I don't know if you're like me, um, whether you think that you have a good memory, but you actually don't. Um, uh, I don't know how your memory is. Jenny thinks that hers is unbelievable. And to be fair, it's because she's not here, she's in youth. It's not bad. Um, And she does remember things better than me, but I refuse to accept it at times. Uh, So I don't know if you think you've got a good memory. Fortunately for me, I have uh, people like Mags who remind me of stuff or a calendar or... um, But but have you ever had a moment where you've just totally forgotten that you're supposed to be somewhere really important? And you think, oh man, I'm never going to live that down. And just, I have those moments quite often. (laughs) So um, my memory isn't great. Um, Do you remember a game that used to be on TV called The Generation Show? Yeah, I know all you oldies, you remember it. And, um, and uh, they used to have the conveyor belt where things used to go past and they used to have to remember what was on the conveyor belt. Do you remember that? Anybody think they were really good at that? Okay, what? Yeah, one hand. Great. Um, and uh, well, what we're going to do is a little bit of that, but not with a conveyor belt. I'm just going to show you a slide uh, for about 10 seconds. I'll be lenient. And there are 12 things, it's a biblical number, 12 disciples, and you have to remember as many as you can. Now, the good news is you're going to work together as a team, all right? As a church, we're going to try and you can tell me what they all are, okay? So you're going to get 10 seconds, hold it, Travis, not yet, and, um, and you're going to try and remember. Now, there are things on there, I don't need the year they were released or the color of it, right? I just need to know what it was, all right? So... 
Jenny was quite specific that I should be specific about that. Okay, so, all right, so 10 seconds, are you ready? Uh, Travis, away you go. All right, one at a time. Sandwich, yes. Newcastle badge, yes. You sinned. Zebra, someone shouted zebra, yes. Huh? Ball, Game Boy, scissors, umbrella, electric guitar. You, a euro. The love of money is the root of all evil, just saying. <laughs> a flag, frying pan. Have you got them all now? I think you've got them all. Who's counting? All right, okay, you proved the point. You're all good. That's fine. Well done. I couldn't have remembered them. You got all 12, did you? Umbrella, yes, umbrella. I think we already had that. All right, well done. Okay, memory, good or bad, the reality is, is that throughout Scripture, what we see time and time again, you might say you're good, like my wife does, but the reality is it can be really easy for us to forget just what's happened in our life and just how fearful God has been. And we see this in Scripture. One very famous moment is when the Egyptians are taken out of slavery and they're brought out through the Red Sea, the pattern of the Red Sea, and they are brought into freedom um, to be their own nation, led by God. And what we see is complaints almost immediately about, oh, you know, we miss Egypt. Yeah, where you were slaves, right? So we can forget quite easily what God has done in our lives and the hardship that we've gone through. And I can think of times in my life where, have you ever had a moment where you've got a phone call or you've got a piece of news and you've just thought, oh, what a disaster. And you pray and you call out to God and you say, God, I don't know what to do. I feel panicked. I need your help. And then what and then God answers your prayer only for a week or a month or a couple of months later, you completely forget that scenario and what God did in that moment, or even that he answered your prayer. But all throughout Scripture, what we see is that we have a faithful God who calls us to remember his faithfulness. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump through uh, a few scriptures and just bear with me, okay? If you have your Bibles with them, you can kind of scoot through with me. We're going to start in Genesis 28. And we're going to start with Jacob, who is a, t- a twin, his brother Esau. Jacob is scared for his life in this moment. He's running from his brother, and uh, probably he should. <laughs> and uh, in this moment of desperation, he is on the run, And what we see is that God meets him in this moment. So we're going to read Genesis 28, verses 11 to 19. It's going to be on the screen for you if you don't have your Bible. Um, But for those who do, if you want to follow along, it says, uh, says this about Jacob. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on, a, on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and and you will spread out to the west 
and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other, none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though, uh, though the city it used to be called was Luz. Now, so Jacob's on the road, on the run, <laughs> and he lays down to sleep. It's dark, and he has a sleep. He has this encounter with the living God. God comes to meet him in that place of desperation and need with this incredible vision and renews the promises that he'd given to his, fa to his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham. And it's this incredible moment of God coming to be with his people. And, and, and what does Jacob do when he wakes up? He has this amazing moment. And when he wakes up, he decides what I need to do is remember this moment. So he takes the rock in which he slept on, which sounds awful, and he raises it up and names that place and, and sets a reminder of God meeting him in that place. Fast forward uh, to the story of Joshua leading the Israelite nation. When they are entering into that promised land that's just been promised once again to Jacob, and they're entering into the promised land, and uh, the Israelite nation, they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and now God has told them that they can enter into the land flowing with milk and honey. So, um, so they, they are going to cross across the Jordan. There's a big problem, though. The Jordan is at flood, and the, the Israelite nation need to cross, but they can't cross. And we're not just talking about like a couple of guys needing to swim across or, you know, putting your waders on and just going through. We're talking about a whole nation needing to pass through into the, into the promised land. Into, um, and so they've got children with them. They've got the caravans with them, with their animals and all of their possessions. And what God tells them to do is to take the Ark of the Covenant. And as they step into the river, he says that it will stop. And it, that's exactly what happens. It stops in its tracks and it allows the people of Israel to pass through the River Jordan safely. Just like, just like happened with the, the Red Sea, where God stops the waters and they can cross. So in this moment, we read Joshua 4, 1 to 7. And what happens? It says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down in a place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together 12 men he had appointed from, from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, go over uh, before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribe, tribes of Israelites. To serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the floor of the Jordan was cut off 
before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. They are told once again in this amazing moment when God does this miracle to mark it and remember what God had done. To remember what God had done. And they put these 12 stones together and it's a place to remember the miracles that God had performed for his people. And the last example I want to give before we move on is in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel. And it's, uh, the time, it's the end of the Judges and the prophet Samuel has called the people to repentance and we see this repentance happening amongst the people of Israel. They're destroying false gods. All this is amazing and they, they're in this place called Mizpah and um, it's in this moment that their enemies see them and choose to attack them. So 1 Samuel 7, 7 to 12, it says, When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to, our Lord, to Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed its whole burnt it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on, on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, the Lord thundered with, a, with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way uh, to a point be below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and named it an Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Once again, we see God in his faithfulness uh, come to his people who were in need. And, and they're attacked by the enemy, but God moves in, in power and, and brings panic to the Philistines. And then what we see is that uh, the, the Israelites are able uh, to have, take the victory because of what God has done. And as, a, and as a result of wanting to mark what God had done, uh, Samuel the prophet, he sets up this stone, and what's called an Ebenezer. The word Ebenezer just means stone of help. And, while, and he sets out this stone, and while he's setting this up, he says, thus far, the Lord has helped us. So we know uh, there is something that we constantly see within Scripture, that, that in these moments where God does incredible things, where God has been faithful to his people, where God has done miracles, that, that actually what, what he calls his people to do is to remember what he has done. Remember what he has done. But why do we want to do it? Why do we want to remember? It's good to remember, right? Like, I, I like remembering like, as much as anybody. I love looking at old pictures in my phone. They're all there now. I don't know if you're like me, but I can get kind of caught looking at old pictures and videos of the family and kind of get stuck, in a, stuck there for a while. I love remembering. But why, why do we want to remember? It's just so we can remember the good old days. Do you remember the good old days when, you know... I don't know, when in the good old days for you? Um, is it, 
is it just because we want to remember maybe the golden years of our faith? Oh, I remember when God really pushed us there and that thing happened. It's good to do that, isn't it? It's good to look back. It's really lovely to look at special moments in our lives. And actually, as a church, you know, we're going to have old pictures up uh, in a couple of weeks. So you can have a look at old pictures. Of, and maybe you'll remember, oh, do you remember that moment? Do you remember that time? Wasn't it an amazing time? But we're not just remembering, we're not just sticking 30 years up to be nostalgic. That's not the reason we're celebrating, not the only reason anyway. We want, to, we want to remember what God's done, but not just be nostalgic. We remember and we look back at what God has done over the last 30 years as a church in order that faith would rise in us for what God has for us coming up in the future, in the next 30 years. So what I want to do is look at one last uh, biblical example and it's one of the most famous stories if, if not in the Bible probably across the world and that's one of the stories of David and Goliath just such an incredible story isn't it and uh, what we see in the story of David and Goliath is that uh, David has arrived at the Is- Israelite camp they are up against um, Philistine army and there is Goliath the champion on the other side of this valley. And every day for 40 days, Goliath has been coming out. And this guy, let's not, let's not beat around the bush. He is a, a ginormous monster of a man. A scary, intimidating man. Fierce. You know, he's been a warrior since his youth. Trained in how to kill other humans. And, and, and they come out and he would, every day he would shout across the Israelite camp and he would, and he would uh, defy the Israelites and their God. And that happens every day for 40 days and no one steps up to fight him. That is until David walks onto the scene. David, of course, who is, a, um, uh, is an image of Jesus. Uh, but he comes onto the scene and he looks out at uh, uh, Goliath and he says I'll fight him but how does he rationalize how does he come about to this opinion that he is going to go and take on this Goliath well in 1 Samuel 17 32 to 37 it says David said to Saul Saul is the king at the time and David comes to the king and he says let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine your servant that's David will go and fight him Saul replied You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it it by its hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And David does go and the Lord is with him. And that day he chops the head off the shoulders of Goliath and in, he has the victory for Israel. And, but what's really important to realize is how does David come about to this point where he is willing 
to go across into the middle of the valley and to fight this Goliath? How is it that he rationalizes that idea or that plan in his head? He does it by saying and by remembering what God has done for him in the past. What the battles that God has already won in his life. My brothers and sisters, I really hope that you remember the bears and the lions that God has defeated in your life. And I I know some of your stories. I know some of the the things that you've been through, the, the times where you've faced the lions and faced the bears, and yet you've seen God faithful in those moments. You've seen him faithful in those moments. Some of you in this room have gone through trauma, abuse, bereavement. We've been talking about bereavement this morning. Breakdowns in your marriages. Some of you have been hurt by the people who you loved the most. You've been let down by the people who most trusted you. Some of you have found yourself in some unbelievable financial problems. Some of you have been in fear for your life. Some of you carry a daily anxiety for your children and worry about them constantly, knowing the situations that they get themselves into. Some of you have had moments where you've not known where you're going to live. There are so many times in our lives where we come across the lions and the bears, and yet has God ever failed you? Many of you will have testimonies to share, but all of our testimonies are the same. That regardless of the bear, regardless of the lion, God never failed. God's never failed me. And as a church, we share that collective testimony, don't we? Look at this place. Look at this place. This is an old carpet warehouse. Before that, it was a naffy. It was an army store. And yet God is using it for his kingdom. And there have been sketchy moments (laughs) we're going to hear about some of those next week in our testimony time Um, there's been some sketchy moments hasn't there Phil (laughs) Sally you remember those late nights and thinking God what do we do there has been some moments that we share collectively where man it feels like this bear is pretty scary man it feels like the lion's paws are heading for me but God has never failed us never failed us and why is that Because he's faithful. He is faithful to his promises. David justified stepping onto the battlefield. He he justified stepping into the unknown of what was going to happen. He justified the battle against the one who it made no sense for him to go and battle against. Because of God's faithfulness in the past. And therefore God would not fail him now. And as as a church, this anniversary of putting 30 on the walls is not about us. It's not about celebrating us. It's about celebrating that our God is faithful. He is always faithful. And we want to be a people who remember, just like David remembered on that day. And of course, history, all of history, we call it the year 2023 because history is split by the biggest sign of God's faithfulness in all of history. It is bookmarked by the lifting up of God's faithfulness. And that was his son on a cross. God, as God's own son was lifted up 
on that cross, it was a fulfillment of all of the promises that God had made to his people throughout generations. He sent a savior. And just like Jacob on that night when he slept and he had that dream, when God revealed himself to him and renewed promises and came and met his people in their moment of despair, Jesus was God himself coming down in flesh to be among his people in their time of despair and desperation. And just like with Joseph, as the waters parted and the people of Israel could cross the river, that miracle that God did, Jesus was in flesh God, the miracle worker, healing that those who needed healing, bringing the sick to a place of being well, raising the dead, walking on water, calming the storm. Jesus was the miracle worker. And just like with Samuel and the story of Samuel, and the people cried out in fear of their enemies attacking them. Just like God met them and scrambled their enemies, Jesus came and dealt with our real enemy of sin and death, that we might have peace and victory in Jesus name. And Jesus promises to be with his people. Him being raised on the cross was the greatest Ebenezer ever raised in all of human history. It was the sign and the symbol of God's faithfulness that we can say thus far, God has been with us. He is faithful to his promises. And Jesus promised to be with us always, even till the end of the age, sending his Holy Spirit to empower us that we can do his work and overcome, overcome the powers of darkness in this world. So as God's people, this anniversary that we have together, we want to look back at the lions and the bears that God has been faithful in and, and, and the moments that he's given us victory in his, in his power so that together as a church we say, hey, you know what, we, we remember the bears we remember the lions that God has rescued us from. So therefore, who is the Goliath ahead of us? We're God's people, covered by God's promise. He is faithful. I mean, come on. Come on. There are still people in this town who do not know the good news of Jesus. There are still people without hope who are lost. There are still people who are hungry, who are totally in despair, and we can say as a church, thus far, the Lord has helped us. And, and, and the bear and the lion, they were no problem <laughs> because of God's faithfulness. And therefore, we can push forward in faith for what God, God has for us. And next week, we're going we're gonna to pause and we're going to hear uh, from four people. We're going to have testimonies of moments where God has been faithful to us as a family. And, but the whole hope of this is, isn't one last time that we say, aren't we a wonderful church? <laughs> it is so that we can say, don't we have a wonderful God? Don't we have a faithful God? Don't we have an amazing God?